Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. special show as usual today. Uh, it's my time of year. It's March Madness. I'm very excited, despite the fact that kids don't get paid and they might be getting used, but, you know, don't, don't judge me. Don't judge me. <laughs> um, but uh, we, we have a couple special guests today, but first let me introduce uh, my co-host here, Nabate Isles. He's in the studio. What's up? What's going on? How's everything? All right? Hanging in there, hanging in there. And of course, the legendary, uh, the legendary, the great the great, great, great Bill yeah, Roden yeah. is with us. A guest on, on, on the his phone, own on the, show. On the guest on his own show on the phone line. What's up, Bill? <laughs> You're going to call me a, a myth later on because you ain't in the studio. The man, the myth, the legend. Bill Roden, Casa <laughs> Sose. What's, what's up, Bill? You're out. You're out there. Uh, you're, you're out there in Florida checking out Yankee spring training. Down at West Palm, yeah, West Palm Beach, uh, checking out the Yankees, uh, the Orioles, the Nationals. Um, you know, kind of the aftermath of all these huge signings in baseball, man. Mm. You know, you had. Uh, well, you know, we can get into that later, but it's pretty, pretty phenomenal, man. You know, you had Trout, mm-hmm. and then um, obviously Bryce Harper. Uh, Mutado, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Talked yeah. to a couple of young brothers who were here with the Astros and with the with the uh, with the uh, with the Mets. Okay, there's a young brother who plays with the Mets. He's a left-hand pitcher. They just called him up last September. He's on the roster. Really sharp kid. Um, I'm just happy there's some yeah, brothers in baseball. Up. That's the most important thing. You 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 said plural brothers in baseball. That sounds good. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep an eye out for him. No question. No question. Yeah, yeah the, ride, the numbers are cre- creeping upwards. All right, all right. It's about time. It's about time. I guess things go through cycles. Uh, hopefully this is an up cycle for baseball. Um, but as, as I mentioned, it's March Madness. So, so we're going to do a March Madness uh, podcast today, talk everything NCAA tournament. Uh, and it's actually started Tuesday. To, we're, we're taping on a Wednesday uh, evening. Uh, everything got started Tuesday with the playing games where FDU beat Prairie View and then Belmont beat Temple. And then today, <laughs> and then you, today you got uh, North Carolina Central, another HBCU playing North Dakota State and St. John's playing Arizona State. That's an interesting thing we'll, we'll talk about later is, is that the uh, HBCUs all got 16 seeds, which, you know, According to the numbers, they were the worst uh, conference, but uh, we could talk about that later. But first, let me introduce our special guest. He's been a guest on the show a few times here, always providing all kind of uh, insight, usually about more serious issues, but we're going to keep it light today, well, maybe, uh, on the NCAA tournament. Uh, Karen Phillips, from, a columnist from the New York Daily News, focusing on the intersection of social issues, race, and sports. He's also a big college basketball and Duke fan. Duke. Um, he wrote an article on Zion <laughs> saying he's, he said, you apologize for sleeping on Zion. What's up, Karin? What's happening, man? Yeah, like I, I'm an OG black Duke fan. Like I, <laughs> I made this choice 19 years ago. So for all you knew, oh. uh, colored folks have been jumping on the bandwagon in the last couple of years. You know, I'm not giving up my seat for y'all because I, I was here when Greg Paulus was here. Wow. 
Wow. I've, I've been here for a long, long time so, since 2000. So I, I'm an OG well, let, well, let me, in so, the game. Well, let me, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something, Mr. OG. So now, <laughs> you know, I was at the, the, the national championship game when Duke lost by 30 points. Ouch. Ooh. 1990. 1990. They, they a great day in history. Right. They got this, and it was like a wonder, wonderful thing because, you know, they're paying Duke as a choir boy. Like, this question around that time, you know, Mike had painted himself. He took the, the stand of education, and he did, he was not going to hang Aldenabi's jersey. He's not going to hang his jerseys till they they come back and graduate and graduation graduation. Now, man, you know, whatever it is later, this guy is the biggest uh, one and done guy. I mean, he's he out Calipari, Calipari. Hmm. He has now become a one done factory. So I'm like, it seems hypocritical. I guess if you're, you just say he's just changing with the time. Mike was just an avowed educator and education, and we're not putting your jerseys up in the roster. So how do you reconcile that, Ron? Um, I, I think it appears that way, but when you actually, you know, get rid of the, all the riffraff and actually have read some of the things Coach K has said over the years, it actually makes sense. And the number one reason, like, you know, you go back and, and dig up the quotes he said back then, and he said those things. And I'm not going to be some Coach K apologist because um, I'm not. Like, I, I like the coach. I like the team. I like the school. I like the way they play basketball. But here's the thing. I think Coach K saw what happened to Bobby Knight, who we all know was his coach and his mentor. And you go back and you look at the ESPN documentaries and you just follow everything that factually happened to Bobby Knight. And people always wonder, like, what happened to Bobby Knight? Bobby Knight was a dinosaur that did not want to change. He did not want to evolve. He did not want to grow. He did not want to mature. He did not want to accept his flaws and change them. And I think Coach K saw that. And there was even, a, a, like, a, a good while, a couple of years, where Coach K and Bobby Knight fell out. And they got back cool right before Coach K broke his record. And I think when you see someone who's been that influential in your life as a man and as a coach go through that, you have to step back and be like, okay, I don't want to be that guy. Let me not do all the things he did. So I think he did evolve and he did grow. But there's also the case of the culture around basketball change too. Because if we had a one-and-done rule in the 80s and in the 90s and the early 2000s before – this rule started in 2007, you can go back and look at a lot of those guys that he recruited, and if the culture had been the same way, they probably would have been one and done too because we're talking about a coach that's had more McDonald's All-Americans than anybody in the history of the game. That means he's done this and recruited at a high level for 40 years. So you can't now just say, oh, since 2007, he's going after the best guys. Well, no, he was going after the best guys in the 80s. The game was just different, and the culture was different, where you stayed three to four years instead of, I'm about to do my nine months on campus and be out. So when you look at the actual facts and you throw in the Bobby Knight angle, it all makes sense to me. I, I got to say, I'm an actual OG. I've been a Duke fan since 87, my friend. Tommy Amaker was on okay. that team. Billy King, Danny Ferry. That's, you know, even though he, he pissed off Alonzo Mourning in 1989, you know, cost uh, Mourning, you know, cost his team a chance to go to the Final Four, but that, that kind of made me happy, you know. But anyway, yeah. as a Duke fan. But I, can't believe, <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know you were a Duke fan. Absolutely, and, since 87. And, you still, down, and you, still think, you still think Zion is overrated? <laughs> I never said that. <laughs> 
said, I'm just messing with Where's all this come from, man? Like, you, Jamal, I'm with you, man. Dembate, I've been knowing this for years. All of a sudden, we get all these Duke fans. No, 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 no. I mean, and and, and Karn, like 99, 1999, Karn, that, that's when you started around that time with Will Avery, Corey McGetty, Trajan Landon, mm. those guys, and of course, Elton Brand. Wasn't that disappointing losing to UConn? I was, oh ha- I was happy. I, I was always, uh. I've always been a Big East fan, so I was, I was happy about that back in the day. <laughs> Um, but you know, but, let, let, but, let, but you know, Duke Duke is the, the definitely gonna be the topic of the conversation here because they they are the prohibitive favorite. And and I wanted to ask Karn, since you know, since he's when they, when they get when they get bounced when they get bounced out third round, we ain't gonna get a peep. <laughs> but but Karn, like I wanted to ask you about this current Duke team right now. You know, Zion Williamson, you wrote a great great piece today about uh, how. You know, you're eating crow, you know, pretty much, and how you were wrong about Zion. I can't believe now. Let me tell you. I thought. Abate was too. Actually. I thought, no, no, I didn't say he would be a six man. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say he would be a six man. But Karn, oh, really? Listen, you I thought, did, I, really? I didn't want him. <laughs> I didn't want him at all. Wow. Because. If you knew me last year, from the entire. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was like Trey Jones first, Cameron Reddit second. R.J. Barrett. Once we got R.J., I was like, good job, Jeff Capel. We're done. We don't need anybody else. We have our squad because everybody fit into a role. We got our point guard. We got our two. We got our three. Marquise Bowden can play the five. Javin Delorier could be the hustle screener guy at the four, and we're good. And then Zion came out of nowhere because nobody thought we were getting Zion None of the Duke bloggers or analysts or recruiting cycles thought we were getting Zion. This kid was all going to Clemson. ESPN has sent Dickie V and some more color commentators to a Clemson bar to catch the reaction of the people for the announcement. Like, nobody knew this was happening except Zion Williamson. And the world turned upside down. And as a sports writer, I was like, I've seen the greatest recruiting class of all time and seen a coach get the number one, two, three, I think Trey Jones was 10 at that time, Mm -hmm. and this is before Joey Baker even reclassified. And I was like, how did Capel and Coach K pull this off? This is amazing because the Fab Five wasn't even ranked this high. Mm -hmm. But then as a Duke fan, I was like, where does this guy play on the floor? He can't play on the wing. We have guys that are better than him on the wing. He's too short for the post. This is the ACC. What are we going to do with this guy? And I was completely against it. Like, this wasn't some type of hoax. This wasn't <laughs> some type of made-up feeling. Like, I was really pissed off that we had Zion Williamson because I was like, this is going to mess everything up. Wow. And now I'm like, oh, my God, thank you that we have <laughs> Zion Williamson. When was it that, you, uh, that you, you realized you made a mistake? Was it during that, that Canada tour? Nope. It was it was the when the ACC regular season started. Okay. Because my thing was always I watched I watched every game. I watched the the ESPN Youth uh, Plus series. I watched all the games in Canada, mm-hmm. and I, even the non the Kentucky game doesn't even sway me. Mm. The Maui Invitational didn't sway me. Texas Tech, uh, wow. Indiana. You were hard. You were hard. You were hard. I was like, please. no, because I I knew I was like okay. I expect him to play well in these big games at this big stage. 
But I was like, this is the ACC. This is the best conference in basketball. They're going to have to play Florida State. And Leonard Hamilton keeps long, rangy, older, big guys mm-hmm. that are juniors and seniors who aren't going to be scared to take a charge or who aren't going to be intimidated. And I was like, when that brutal ACC schedule starts and we're facing teams that are tired of hearing about Zion and their grad transfers and fifth-year seniors on the block, I was like, okay, this is we're going to find out if he's really good or not. And that was what I was waiting to see. And when he dominated them like he did everybody in non-conference, that's when I was like, okay, he's for real. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Okay, well, I just I'm still stuck. Let me ask you a question, uh, Karen. You're you're a proud graduate of, of Morehouse College, yeah. <laughs> yes. So now let me ask you a question. Why did you choose Morehouse over Duke? Or you like the Duke basketball team, but Morehouse College? Uh, I never applied to Duke. Uh, I was going to uh, apply for grad school, uh, but I wound up not applying. We're here with Karn Phillips here uh, um, from the New York Daily News, excellent uh, writer and and uh, and Duke fan, one of the few Black Duke fans. Him and I are like the <laughs> last of the Mohicans, you know. <laughs> well, got, as as he mentioned, the, 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 there are a lot of Duke fa- Black Duke fans this year. So. <laughs> right, exactly this yeah, year. Like, you know? Yeah, like yeah, they like they. It's a lot of Black Duke bandwagon jumping. <laughs> mm-hmm. on. Yeah, like I have not. I like. When we're scrappy and we got the Greg Paulus's out there and we're slapping the floor, like I like those. Steve Wojciechowski, you know, before that. Yes, like, I like those. Give me a John Shire Wojo oh lineup. Yes. I'm about to throw up for you. There's like that oh instead of teams Wait. like this where they're glamorous and everybody's wants to wear a jersey or buy a t-shirt. And I'm like, nah. But where was y'all at when C.J. McCollum was giving us thirty? Okay, that's right. Where was y'all gets- at with Merce? When Mercer put Jabari Parker and Riding Hood out the tournament. And guess what? Oh, and where were they at when we finished last stop. in the ACC in 95 when Coach K had his back surgery? Was, where were they at that, you know? Chris Collins. Chris Collins. <laughs> and when Stackhouse had that crazy dunk. Oh, my right. goodness. I'm flabbergasted. I mean, I, I can't. I just, I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe it. it. I guess it'd be like if somebody all of a sudden, you know, you have a good friend, and then he starts telling you that he likes the, Forty-five. Oh, <laughs> oh like, no, that's that's a bad <laughs> comparison. Ah. <laughs> so, so, so here's the like, here's the like, thing that I've 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 been saying for years. Is that is that next? Is, is that next? Oh no! no like no, even no, when no. I was no no no. Even when I was at Morehouse, cats would be like, "Yo, how 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 are you a Morehouse man?" And you like Duke. And I was like, because if y'all actually like pay attention, a lot of Morehouse cats go to Duke for grad school. But I was like, but I was like, we're kind of like the same thing. We're just w- different with a, uh, the base of our students look a different color. And people are like, what do you mean? I was like, Duke is this private uh, institution that doesn't look obnoxious. They look at they look at it private, obnoxious, stuck up elitist but a very good school and they're this private school in the south in north carolina where all the other schools around them are public and looked at them like they turned their nose up on everybody i was like that's the same thing morehouse is in georgia around the other hbcus and the other schools and everybody will be like oh you kind of got a point i was like yeah we're kind of like the black duke except we just don't have good athletics (laughs) (laughs) well yeah Let's let's talk let's let's talk uh, March Madness, okay? So I'm assuming you have Duke in the Final Four. Give me give me uh, the rest of your Final Four and how you see it playing out. 
Uh, my final four, I have Duke versus Gonzaga on the left side in a rematch that I think we all deserve if you're a basketball fan, period. And on the right-hand side of the bracket, I have a rematch of Tennessee and Kentucky, which wow. I think we also all deserve. And then I have the rematch that the world wants 10 times over is Duke and Kentucky in the national title. Um, in a close game, but I think Duke pulls it out just because as much – at the beginning of the season, if you would have asked me who I thought was better, I would have said Kentucky over Duke just because of all the experience Kentucky had coming back with their freshmen. Right. But we saw what not even if you take away the first game of the season, quite a green left. Um, it took a little longer for these freshmen to develop and a little longer for their uh, sophomores and juniors to figure out their roles. And now you see that they're gelling. And I think they may be the two most talented teams in the country, Duke and Kentucky. But I think even if you put the revenge factor that Calipari and Kentucky has, if you put them on the court in a one-game situation and I got to pick between Kay and Calipari and those four freshmen versus Kentucky freshmen and to see who's going to win, I think Duke pulls that off just because they just have more overall talent. And you actually have this, the exact same Final Four as I do. I have Duke, Gonzaga, Tennessee, Kentucky, but I have Duke beating Tennessee in the championship. So that's interesting. And I have uh, Tennessee. Uh, no, wait. No, no, yeah. no, no. Listen, listen. Rick Barnes, okay, I, I was shocked that Rick Barnes did this well this March. There's no way Rick Barnes is doing that well in March to get to a national championship. But you have, you have in the Final Four. Barnes. Hey, oh, that's one I, more yeah, game. You look at their br- yeah, because if you look at the bracket, they're not playing anybody today. I, forget, Virginia, I forgot you were, I, I forgot I you were a Virginia hater. I forgot you were a Virginia hater. I remember that now. I was stuck between picking Tony Bennett in, in March and Rick Barnes in March. Right. And you talk about being stuck on a game for about 20 minutes just staring at my app, figuring out who I was going to pick. Because I was like, if there's two coaches that I trust least in March, it's these two uh, besides Bill Self. Well, but I gave the edge to uh, Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams. Well, don't forget Rick Barnes led that Texas team in 2003 when Melo and Syracuse won the title. That was the year that Texas was right. the only one seed that made the Final Four yeah. when they were – then people yeah. didn't think they deserve a one seed that year. So Rick yeah. Barnes led them you know to the what? Final that's, Four with T.J. Ford. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. And you know what? That's a very great point. But name another time since 2003 where Rick Barnes has done anything in March. It's tough. It is tough. It is tough. If you can't win with Kevin Durant in March, then we don't have nothing to talk about. Mm. Oh, yeah, but Durant, it was DJ Augustine, Durant, and no one else. <laughs> really, it was two pros. Like, two pros. Two, no, absolutely. You know, so. <laughs> he had two pros. He had two pros and a Hall of Famer. And he couldn't win in March. I've got Duke playing Gonzaga, and I've got Virginia playing North Carolina. Mm. And then I've got uh, Gonzaga beating North Carolina. My wow, record, I like and that. This all comes from, from being a journalist. Last year, Virginia just suffered probably one of the most embarrassing moments. Uh, or the most. The, no, the most. And so I see, I've written these stories before. You get embarrassed one year, and you use that as motivation for reaching the Final Four. And we can hear we can hear the press conferences, you know, uh, that on Friday when they come to, to Minneapolis. And the players are, yes, well, that was a low point of our careers, and we use that as motivation, and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, so I've got Virginia's one. North Carolina, I mean, you know, why not? You know, I mean, why not? And, uh, yeah, so, anyway, who knows? But Duke Gonzaga, 
North Carolina. I was I had I had Florida State going as long because I you know we love Leonard Hamilton. And they have a chance. So They're very solid. I love your thinking, Bill, because I was thinking like you about Virginia coming into this year. But then Virginia showed us that they're still Virginia, and Tony Bennett shows me that he was unwilling to change. Because if you mm. saw the way they got embarrassed, you were supposed to come back different this year. And you had Duke on your schedule twice. And you lost once mm. without Zion Williamson, and then you lost twice with Zion Williamson at home. Then you had a chance mm. to play Duke for a third time to finally avenge both of those losses, and you couldn't beat Florida State? But their, their offensive efficiency mm. went up, top 10 in the nation offensive efficiency. Def, I mean, their, overall. Their efficiency is always good, except <laughs> in March. Right, but they, but they have, March. But not top 10. Not top 10. Not top 10. But we, because we know what wins in March, guards and bucket getters. And what does UVA not have? They don't have bucket, well, bucket yeah, getters. They, they do have their probably they probably have their best player. Like they have a lottery pick this year. They have their best their best player in, in Hunter, DeAndre Hunter. Yeah. Uh, and you know he is a pro. And they haven't I haven't seen a player like that on Virginia in a, in a long time. So I give them that that they're a little different this year. They're be, a little better offensively. They yeah, have, yeah. They have they're a guy more transition. They game. have a guy who can you know? get a bucket. But I hear you. He's not a guard. Um, so he'll have a little, a little more trouble getting his own shot. But, De- but would DeAndre Hunter start at North Carolina or Duke? Nope. He'd start at North Carolina, I think. If you know, if he was no, especially, he especially upperclassmen. You know how you know how Roy does. He's, but he's, he's still not a better. He's not a better defender than Kenny Williams, and he's not a better shooter than Cam than Cam John. But neither one of those dudes are are, are projected lottery picks. Yeah, exactly. Like he's projected top seven right now. But, you know, we'll see. Does I think know where Africa is. <laughs> but I, I got to get my final four too. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, get my final yeah, four final real four? quick. Uh, out of the east, it'll be Duke. Out of the west, Gonzaga. So we all yeah, have, that. have that. Uh, out of the south, we have Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Out of the Midwest, Auburn. Okay, coming like out that. of the Midwest. I think they oh. beat North Carolina in the Sweet 16, and they beat Iowa State. I think Iowa State beats Kentucky. Okay, okay. You know, they have just enough talent. A little chaos in the Midwest? Yeah, and then um, Duke will play Kentucky in the national title game. and uh, Excuse me, Duke will play Tennessee, excuse me, in the national title game, and Tennessee beats the upset. Duke. Yes. The upset. upset. Mm-hmm. Experience. Experience okay. is going to take them all the way. So Rick Barnes. I, I just want to know how I just want to know how much Rick Barnes is paying y'all off. Like, <laughs> I just want to know. Like, why are y'all no, you know, you know, why are y'all believing in somebody hey, to do something? Guess what? Jay Wright? Who believed in Jay Wright, though? Remember? Who believed in him? And they finally did it, you know? So, but Barnes, Barnes is an old head in the game. Uh, you know, but Jay, Jay Wright's, uh, you know, not as, not as long, but he, Jay Wright had the reputation, too. You know, a great reputation as well, so. And, they only, and he only made one Final Four, I think, I believe, before the national title one. Jay Wright also needed a miraculous buzzer beater to win his first. Too. Oh like, no, no! But Villanova led for that whole game, no. though. They led for that whole game, no. It just North Carolina had a comeback in the last three minutes, but Villanova actually was leading most of that game. And before that, they dominated Oklahoma. Buddy Hill led by Buddy. They then they beat him by forty-two. They did. <laughs> Something like you know. Yeah, but so, so, stop hating on the Big East. <laughs> but, 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 name somebody else on that team that played with Buddy Hill. 
but, that's a good point. But but still, Oklahoma was still exactly. one of the top. Exactly. Was still one of the top five teams, and Buddy Hill's a pro. He's a pro now, so you know. Buddy Hill lost to a team that had multiple pros. That's usually how this that pans out. The teams with the most pros usually no. win it all. But but Oklahoma was impressive in that <laughs> tournament, though yeah. they were until they ran into Villanova. Any, you can't take anything away from that performance. I mean, that that last second shot. I mean, Jamal and I were at the arena. And Ooh. I mean, I mean, you said it was a well, you, it was a miraculous shot. Well, I mean, that was that was a big boy major league shot. I mean, you can't yeah, yeah that that was a pro shot. So you can't really one of, yeah, one of the all time great moments. Asked, no question. Somebody asked who had paid off Rick Barnes uh, in this group. I maintained it was an Auburn coach. And in fact, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bruce Pearl. <laughs> in this whole scenario, yeah, Bruce Pearl. In this whole scenario what you guys were talking about. And then Auburn does this, then Auburn will do that. And then in June, Auburn will give back the all his wins because Bruce Pearl is caught cheating once again. Mm. <laughs> well, Bruce Pearl will make his first Final Four. And <laughs> my prediction. One, one, person, one person Barnes isn't making look good right now is uh, Shaka Smart, who Shaka Smart took over for Barnes mm. at Texas, and he hasn't been able to get it going yet. I'm, I, you know, I still have hope that he, that he can get it done. Uh, it doesn't look like he'll get. It looks like he'll stick. Or he'll be around for next year. He has a huge buyout. It but ain't I, gonna happen. But I think next year is is the is the year he has to get it done. I I was never a proponent of him taking that job in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I remember when him and Charlie uh, took those jobs at Texas, and Texas all of a sudden had a black football coach and a black basketball coach, and I was like, this isn't good. And everyone was like, <laughs> whoa, this is progress. And I was like. But watch how short of a leash they're both going to be on. Uh, but I also, just from a basketball standpoint, I didn't think Shaka's style would translate to the Big 12 and the type of athletes he was going to have to start recruiting on that level to the to way he likes to play wasn't going to translate. I just always thought that original Florida offer he had was the best position for him because Florida – in the Billy Donovan era, had a history of playing like the way Shaka Smart likes to play. And I thought he could have ushered that era back in. And I just never thought Texas was going to be a good fit. And that's how we're seeing it now. And, like, I really just don't know how this is going to end up for Shaka just because I just thought the best game plan was, like, hey, go to Florida, do well, and wait out Roy Williams because there was rumors that North Carolina was really interested in him at one point. Now – I don't know where that goes. Yeah, well, you know, he's a he's a young, he's still a young coach, so you know, he'll probably have a few more chapters uh, in his in his uh, coaching career, and then you know, like I said, he still probably has one more year at Texas to show and prove. He actually has been recruiting pretty well. He has a he's had that might be the problem. He's had one and dones the last yeah. three years. Guys who weren't really expected to be one and dones, they mm-hmm. end up going being there for just one year, so he hasn't had any continuity. But um, all right, so you know, uh, great talking to you, Karen. Uh, thank you. For giving us that Duke energy, we we really appreciate it. Duke, I'm, Duke. I'm one I'm one of those bandwagon Duke fans this year because you know I'm a big Zion fan. I never seen I haven't seen anything like him in in at least a decade of college basketball. Uh, go ahead, Nabati. And I got to tell you real quick how huh? much of a fan I am. Kentucky trailing by one point, 1992 Elite uh, Eight, oh right my God. in Philadelphia. I don't want to. Stop, stop, stop. I was I was in prayer. I, 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 I was in my on my knees in oh prayer, like literally, like please let's make this happen. And then when Christian well, got it, on, the, the, I, was, I was on my knees crying when it, after it happened. 
you know? <laughs> I was rooting for Jamal Mashburn from, from, from uh, Queens. No. Or, or the Bronx or Queens? Uh, from the Bronx. From the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Cardinal Hayes. Bronx, that's right. That's you know what right. I'm saying? <laughs> so I was rooting, I was rooting for, for Mashburn, but uh, he couldn't get it done that night. That was Patino also there. Um, but uh, nah, great. Thank you for joining us, Karin. Um, we'll, we'll get up with you again sometime, you know, maybe sometime soon. We'll see what, we'll see what Duke is doing these, these, uh, this, first, this first weekend. And uh, hopefully you'll join us again. And, uh, you know, like I said, we'll see what happens here in, in March Madness. Oh, definitely. Thanks we'll for having me again. We'll, we'll call you oh, yeah, when you yeah. get found. <laughs> I'll, I'll do that. But <laughs> I will leave y'all with this. I am predicting that Cam Reddish has a uh, Sweet 16 Elite Eight similar performance to just as Winslow had in 2015, where Mm -hmm. he just kind of took over and won those two big games. Mm -hmm. And I am waiting for Cam Reddish to have two breakout games where everyone's like, oh, okay, he is that good. So I think that's on the way. All right, man. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll be in touch very soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. You're the best. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports. Check it out. All right, we're back. We're gonna we're gonna stay on the March Madness uh, topic, of course, because it's that time of year, and uh, you know, we, for for better or for worse, we all love it. Um, we're here now with with uh, the great Jay Billis, ESPN college basketball analyst and pontificator. He played for Duke from 1982 to '86. He was part of the 1986 uh, Final Four squad that made the championship game. And he was also a fifth-round draft pick of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, you don't hear that talked about a lot. Um, Jay Billis, thanks for joining us. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you for having me. Hey, Jay, I have a question. I mean, we were talking about all the stuff to start asking you. But, I, I, you know, I'm just curious. Obviously, we all respect Mike Krzyzewski. But I was telling the guys, I remember, you know, I was there, you know, back in the 80s covering Duke. And, you know, when the talk was then, when was Mike going to win the big one? And, that kind of stuff. And then um, I was in, in uh, I feel where we were, in 1990 when they got that 30-point loss at UNLV, which is just an outstanding team. But I remember that at that point, Mike had really was big on education. And remember, he wasn't going to hang the jerseys oh, from the rafter of the guys until they came back and graduated. And, and he really was into the whole education thing and and not the one and dones, and uh, it wasn't even one and dones then. It was two and done, or three and done. And of course, it has now evolved. So he's probably in the in the one and done business more more than any coach, including uh, uh, what's it, Calipari. And so, I guess you could look at this through two prisms: either through the prism of well, he's just adapting to the times, or B, faced with a choice of winning or not adjusting and basically have an okay program, he chose to win. And I was just curious what your perspective is, obviously because of your relationship with him, your critique of the industry. How do you see this evolution? Yeah, that's a good – I think evolution is the right word, Bill. It's, it's, a, it's a tough 
tough issue because I do remember back in the you know the '90s, the late '90s, when uh, you know Elton Brand left after his sophomore year, and Corey Maggette uh, and Will Avery left after their freshman years. And this was before, like the you know the, the they called it the one and done rule and all that stuff, and it was still kind of new. You know, Kobe Bryant had gone out of high school, and uh, Kevin Garnett had gone out of high school. I think that was in '95. And guys like me, I mean, I'm 55 years old right now. I was born in 1963, so guys my age were kind of looking at that, going, "Oh, c- come on, like, oh, it's a high school kid going to do in the NBA? You know, they're not going to be able to play <laughs> right away." And you know, we were very skeptical, and, and we had to be dragged, you know, dragged into the, the, the current century like everybody else. And I think, I think he had to change his thinking a little bit. Um, you know, he, he was, uh, uh, and I, I, I think it was by necessity more than anything. I, I think he preferred it back in the old days where guys stuck around four years, and when you recruited a class, they grew up together and, uh, you know, got to be seniors together and walked out on the floor before their senior game arm in arm and all that stuff. It, it was great, but things have changed. And uh, I know the guys I played with, they all deny this, but I think it's true. I think if Johnny Dawkins were playing now, he would never see his sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And not that mm-hmm. he wouldn't want to, but there's way too much money out there now to say no to. I think Mark Allery would have been gone after his sophomore year. Um, you know, back when, when, when I came out of school, Johnny Dawkins was the, who's now the, the head coach at UCF and playing in the, the NCAA tournament. He was taken number 10 overall by San Antonio. I think he made $400,000 a year as the 10th pick. <laughs> um, right. You know, you're making real money now. And uh, not that that wasn't nice money. It, it was nice, but it wasn't, it wasn't life-changing like it is now. So, um, you know, I think when, when presented with the choice of, if I don't recruit them, I'm going to be playing against them. And, and they're all good guys. Like, it's not like the narrative of somehow these guys are all these renegades that don't care about school is just not true. Right, right. They're, they're right. geniuses in their field, and they have an opportunity that most of us don't have. And, uh, you know, like, I look at them, and I know, I know people are going to recoil when I say this, but, I mean, I look at Zion Williamson like Mark Zuckerberg. Um, and he's going to be a billionaire. If he stays healthy, he will be a billionaire. Um, so why, why can't he go and Zuckerberg does? Or, what, you know, Tom Hanks was the one and done. Are we supposed to be upset about that? Um, <laughs> Bill Gates uh, dropped the look school. at the mm-hmm. Yeah, Bill Gates, all that stuff. I tend to look at this as, um, uh, and look, for people who think that race is not a factor in this, they're fooling themselves. I think I think the world is better off, and, and and everybody's better off that Zion Williamson went to college. Uh, he he's more likely to go back. He's forged relationships that'll be helpful to him in the future that that may encourage him to go back. Um, and why would we want? Why would we want? If we really believe in education, why would we say? Be, and, and this and believe me, this is what the NCAA is saying. If, if at least implying. If you don't want to be Bill Bradley, we're not interested. And I think that's a really crappy thing to say to young people, and especially when, when, they, when they're making so much money off of them. Because um, we're still going to have one-and-dones. As soon as the NBA ends this, this current one-and-done rule, we're still going to have one-and-dones because high school right. players are going to do what they call reclassing. Like R.J. Barrett reclassed. He's supposed to be in high school right now. Uh, Marvin Bagley last year reclassed. He was supposed to be in high school last year. He's supposed to be in college now. 
Um, uh, so they're going to start reclassing and coming in earlier, and they'll still be one and dones, and there will still be Zion Williamson one and dones. Uh, they may not be quite as intriguing as this kid, but I just read an article that said, you know, Zion Williamson may be the last college basketball superstar, and I'm like, you guys are fooling yourselves. They're, you know, right. this talent pool is not stopping. And, you know, the thing is, you mentioned a couple great points. I'm sorry, Jamal. You know, there are two things I'm thinking. Number A, when you talk about the racial component, you're right. I mean, the college industry is surrounded by one and two and done. In tennis, uh, uh, golf, college golf. golfers spend more mm-hmm. time than, than any than any intercollegiate athletic on this uh, athlete on the sport. Uh, golf, tennis, you know, so you're right. I think I guess what you were saying is that the fact that you've got all these predominantly young black guys doing this casts it's just an automatic negative aspersion to it, you know, just because that's how black people see. If it's mostly black, then it must be bad. So, I mean, you know, you know, uh, so uh, but, but one thing I want to ask you, Jay, so just kind of going on this whole thing with Mike and adjusting to the times, I guess he could have adopted the Ivy League model. Although he's not in the Ivy League, he said, well, listen, you know, I know, I know that, you know, all these kids are going one and done and all that, but, you know, we're going to, you know, like, like Princeton and Yale and Harvard, you know, uh, was the kid who had the choice between going to uh, Harvard and Duke, and he chose Duke. Uh, Wendell Carter. Um, Wendell, Wendell Carter. So, I mean, I guess you always have choices. If you're, if you're Coach K, you all, we all have choices. You know, you don't have to do it this way. You know, That's a fair point. Say, well, That's I mean, a fair point. Yeah, and I think what I would say to that, Bill, is is he he could I guess he could have done it like Virginia uh, and and or Notre Dame, like Mike Bray's doing and Tony Bennett at Virginia, where where you're recruiting guys that you're pretty sure are going to be four year guys, even though Tony Bennett's probably going to lose DeAndre Hunter this year uh, as a sophomore because uh, he's a lottery pick, um, and and uh, Mike Bray has lost guys early. Uh, I, I, I guess what I was referring to that that he still wanted to coach the best players, and if you're gonna re, you're going to recruit yeah. the best player, like, and and I go back to kind of what I was what, what I was trying to get across before is this idea that like take Grant Hill, if Grant Hill were coming out now, uh, uh, I mean he's the most talented player I think maybe before Zion Williams, the most talented player Duke's ever had. He's the best player Duke's ever had. Hmm. So if if hmm. he came in now. Uh, even though his mother probably wouldn't let him leave, um, uh, he, he, he'd probably be pulled out early. And, and my thing would be, like, I don't know why Coach K would want to deny himself Grant Hill or deny Duke Grant Hill, uh, that, that kind of thinking. Like, I certainly, you know, I think, I think Duke uh, was better off for having Grant Hill, whether it's one year or, or four. Um, uh, you know, it, that was sort of my, my reasoning on that. I, you know, he wants to coach the best players. He recruits the best players. And the fact that they stay, like, who, who, who knows how long they're going to stay? Well, maybe one guy stays two, um, you know, and then you recruit another guy. Uh, my, my son was a, a walk on a Wake Forest, and Danny Manning recruited a kid named John Collins who wasn't even a, a top 100 player coming out of high school. And Collins blew up his sophomore year, averaged 20 and 10, and, and was the 17th pick in the draft. So, you know, they recruited a kid they thought was going to be there four years. He's gone in two. So yeah, I guess there's an element of not knowing as well. And like you said, that will continue to happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's all going to keep happening. Absolutely. 
Jay, I wanted to ask you about um, uh, the scandal that was exposed the last week uh, that involved uh, a lot of um, affluent people, especially uh, a couple of Hollywood actresses that bribed uh, colleges to admit their students, um, you know, to to be either on teams and sports that they've never played before or, or were novices at um, or just to uh be in school with uh, the academics not being at that standard of the school. This type of scandal, um, and then, of course, the scandal last year with uh, involving college basketball coaches um, paying to have players come to their schools, um, which uh, how this scandal involving, you know, affluent people, um, you know, bribing to to be able to have their kids come to school. Is this scandal more impactful than than the scandal that took place last year that that's still going on now and now with Will Wade of uh, LSU being involved? Like, which scandal has really resonated more in your opinion? Well, they're both they're both related. Um, I think I think the, the the most recent is going to be more impactful long term because it's got it's got something for everybody. I mean, it's got it's got class and privilege and uh, you know and, and the bribery thing, Hollywood. Uh, every every storyline you would ask for to keep this in the news to where it's on Good Morning America and it ends up on on the nightly news and everywhere in between is present. Um, the, I will tell you the thing I found most uh, disappointing about the response to it is is the NCAA. Like when when the the first corruption scandal, if you want to call it corruption, when the players were getting money, um, the NCAA jumped up and said, "This is disgusting. This is this is antithetical to what college is all about." Uh, they formed a commission immediately and had Condoleezza Rice chair it. Uh, and and there was going to be immediate action uh, and all that. Um, now uh, the current scandal, which I believe will extend into admissions offices. I mean, the idea that that the only people taking money here were coaches is laughable. Um, you know, this is going to this is going to go straight into the admissions offices. This is in the bricks. And and the NCAA puts out a statement saying this should be concerning to everyone in higher education. We're monitoring the situation. You're like what? <laughs> what happened to what, what, what happened to disgusting and and all that stuff? So when the players when the players are getting money, it's disgusting. But when the administrators are getting money and taking bribes and charged with federal crimes, well, it's concerning. What are you mm-hmm. kidding? Right. And and I have gotten to the point like I, I know so many people in higher education. They're great. I mean, it, it, but but the idea that God handed out integrity at a higher rate to people in college athletics and college in general is not true. And I'm getting so tired of listening to college types lecture me on what integrity is. Um, I, I, I would rather they didn't say it anymore and just start showing some. Um, you know, the fact that Will Wade was coaching for so long when everybody knew he was on a wiretap, um, <laughs> uh, you know, don't tell me that, that, it's, not, that it's not about money. Right. And, uh, and this is about money, too, and it goes right to the heart of what this is all about. Um, everybody knows and has known for some time that the best way to get into a college that is above your your level is to be an athlete, and not just a not just a, a football or basketball player. Any type of athlete, you can get into a better cut of school if you're an athlete. Right. And that's what that's what was was at play here. They were using that to uh, to you know basically commit fraud, and and this gets everybody saying it, it allows everyone to say. Could have been my spot. That was probably my spot. And so everybody gets outraged on this one. 
And uh, uh, so instead of instead of you know minimal outrage with with players getting money because everybody knew it was going on, doesn't make it right, but everybody knew it was going on. This one gets everybody exercised. So I think the, the and it's gonna and it's gonna go on a long time um, because we're gonna find out a lot from this, and it is going to go. I think it's gonna go deep into uh, admissions offices and beyond. I mean, so we've already had administrators like an administrator at USC is out. Um, the idea that these these uh, uh, these people were admitted to school and never wound up on a team and nobody what nobody noticed they, they don't follow up on that <laughs> stuff they're not paying attention to what's going on. Right. The, the administrators knew yeah. about this there's no question yeah that's unbelievable yeah. that a kid yeah it's unbelievable that a kid could get a get a scholarship to play on the basketball team and he and he never plays or, or tennis or, you pen that happened to you <laughs> right yeah. he's, he's, well, he's i don't sticking. think they were on scholarship that's the thing mm-hmm. I, I think this mm-hmm. was done to get people because because there's another myth about college sports is that everybody gets a scholarship they're, right. they're, and in fact there are NCAA right. rules as to the number of scholarships and non-revenue sports you can have mm-hmm. so when, when they say oh boy these sports are so expensive they, you know, a lot of a lot of schools have certain sports because they, they it, it's it helps them retain students. Mm. They know that they've got yep. uh, those that play sports are going to stay longer and they're going to pay their way. Um, so they don't they don't worry about that. That, that having sports g- uh, gives them students they know they can retain. In fact, like Division two and Division three programs, uh, oftentimes uh, lately have been putting in football programs because. They've done the calculation that you know we can have 85 players that are going to pay four years of school and not going a, go anywhere because they want to play, and uh, so that's at play here too. They're paying students that are doing this. As it turns, as it turns out, if you look at the big scandal, this kind of makes the quotable athletic scandal look like chump change. You know, at the end of the day, the people who are really the only people really earning their way are the athletes, and particularly the basketball, football players. These were all the guys. You guys, at least are earning it you know you're 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 actually doing something um you know that 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 you know that that's the thing that's just baffling because the athletes again gets back to the black athletes you know you know you look at these schools i was looking at the game the other day tennessee and somebody and everything around the court was was white the cheerleaders were white the band was white the fans were white and you know then you have these black players and all that well, the walk-ons are white, too. Well. All the walk-ons are white. <laughs> the walk-ons are white. Right. You know, actually, Tark, 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 Tark used to joke. Tark used to joke. He would have guys at the end of his bench to pump up the GPA, you know. But as, well, actually, most as, of them but, do but, that. that that's, that's what's happening now is because of some of these NCAA rules on, you know, they call it APR, uh, you know, right. academic progress rate. Uh, you have to. A lot of schools are doing that. You can tell the the, the ones that are because you can tell the guys that are that are playing, and then the ones at the end of the bench because they look like they walked in off the intramural team. Um, so that's absolutely <laughs> right. happening. Right, right. And then they'll they'll end up owning you know owning like you know IBM or something. You know. Um, <laughs> I know we want to get into the uh, the nuts and bolts of, of, of the tournament. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot. A lot of your analysis of things is based on the system and all that. But my my thing is that at the end of the day, if you're in this business, whether you're ESPN, whatever, you have to at some point love competition. I think sometimes people lose sight of the fact that we all love competition. It's just this other stuff. What do you think about this this tournament? Uh, and who do you think we're going to see on that 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 Monday? Uh, no, no, 
don't forget Monday. Let's just talk Saturday, the last Saturday. Who do you think will be your Final Four team? Then we can work backwards. Yeah, that that was a good point uh, that that you made, Bill. It, it just uh, the fact that you know we, we love the competitions and the the games, the sports, the athletes. Uh, it's compelling, and and you know I, I think there are a lot of people that may look may listen to 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 me or you uh, uh, or, or folks that that opine on policy issues and say that well wait a minute you know if you don't like it why don't you just cover something else. Well, there's a difference between the competition itself and the policy that governs the competition. And and we right. can opine on po- – I don't go, and I, I assume you're the same. I don't go to a game, and I won't go to an NCAA tournament game and walk around and go, oh, my God, I can't believe this exploitation. <laughs> and you know, I'm going to watch a game. Right. Now, if we're going to talk right. about policy, if we're going to talk about policy, then, I, then I'm going to discuss the, 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 the good and the bad of the policy if I agree or disagree with it. And then I'm not going to bring in, you know, I'm not going to talk about, when I talk about Zion Williamson's value, I'm not going to talk about, and his left, you know, his right hand needs some work. You know, I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> but, but I think that was a, that was a great point, uh, an important distinction. After the tournament, you know, like, I, I have thought this year, I, I, was, I was not sure through most of the year that we had a, a, a historically great team wow. out there. But yet some of the numbers of the top ten teams are historically great that they're putting up, the, the wins that they're putting up, and then the, the analytic numbers. Uh, but part of it is I think the end of the line is a little bit soft, like the middle is a little bit soft, and the, and the end of the line in this tournament is really soft. I don't see, like a lot of the, the quote-unquote bubble teams that got in, I don't think are very good, honestly. Right. So I don't know whether that's going to mean we've got a more robust tournament where it's going to be crazier or whether some of the higher seeds may have actually an easier path than we expected. Um, but I, I, my Final Four is kind of chalky. I've got a lot of uh, chaos in the first weekend and then you know, have sort of the normalization of the second weekend, which we usually see. And then I've got, you know, I've got Duke coming out of the, uh, the East, uh, and I think they got you know, Michigan State. Uh, there was a lot of talk about Michigan State getting a lousy draw. They were the best number two seed, and they're in, the, uh, in Duke's region. But it's not only Michigan State that got job by that. Duke got job by that too, because they they may have to play the the best two seed to get to the Final Four if it you know if, if everybody wins to seed. Um, in the West, I don't have Gonzaga going. I picked Michigan because I like their draw. Mm. Um, they they could wind up playing Texas Tech, uh, which could you know Texas Tech's capable of beating them. And mm. Buffalo is the the seed like the sixth seed that I think is most likely to get out of a region and, and get to the Final Four, kind of like. Uh, I mean, they're better than Loyola Chicago was last year, but but they're they're the one that can beat just about anybody in their their bracket. Um, I think Virginia's going to get out of the South. That's a, a very strange region in that it seems like every team, with the exception maybe of Tennessee, plays at an unusually slow pace. Um, so they're they're. There is not gonna, there's not going to be a ton of scoring in there. You'll be able to count the 80, 90 point games on one hand, uh, if at all, in that region. And then uh, in the Midwest, I like North Carolina, even though Kentucky's playing great. Um, Carolina's got some tough games in their path, but nothing they can't handle. Uh, but if it winds up being a regional final of North Carolina, Kentucky, uh, Kentucky beat North Carolina earlier in the season. I always tend to favor the when it's close, tend to favor the team that uh, that lost the prior game. I think it, it gives them a little edge in preparation. You've, uh, you've, you, you and everybody else, we have, uh, we, we've talked a lot about Zion Williamson this year, uh, and there's been kind of a backlash to that, which I've seen you kind of address uh, a little bit. You know, why are you always talking about Zion and this and that? I, I just wanted to get your, your opinion on 
on you know why why is it that that we're talking about him is is he that special a player does he deserve this type of hype I think he does. I, I don't refer to it as, as hype. I, I just we're covering what we're seeing, and to me, it would be the same as going to a golf tournament and, and not talking about Tiger Woods in the way that he's talked about. And I, I know in the golf community they feel the same way. Geez, you always have to talk about Tiger, and like, what do you want us to do? Talk about Zach Johnson? <laughs> I mean, you know, you just can't. It's the same kind of thing. Like there are a lot of other good stories out there. They're, they're just like in golf. There are great golfers outside of Tiger Woods. But Tiger Woods is the most compelling thing in the sport. And uh, when he came onto the scene, just the way he plays and, and, and the way he won, and Zion Williams is the same thing. Um, our ratings tell the entire story. Uh, you, you, when Zion Williamson is on the floor, the ratings are through the roof. Um, and, and, you know, I know that, like, I, I've, I've got access to tickets. I, I, I bought season tickets at Duke so that my daughter wouldn't have to, to tent out when she was in school. And uh, now that she's out of school, we wound up keeping them. So not now I never have to ask anybody for tickets. I just give people my tickets. And, uh, and I have gotten more requests this year from friends of mine. And the sob stories they're telling about had never having been to Cameron. And, boy, I'd love to do that. It just so happens that their pilgrimage to Cameron is when Zion Williamson is playing. Everybody right. wants to see him. Right. Jay, I have the highest seed going the furthest. Murray State going to the uh, Sweet 16. I think John Morant could could lead them a la Stephen Curry did in 2008, you know, with that type of impact that he has on the court. Which team do you see with the highest seed that can go the furthest in the tournament? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, I, I, I don't share quite your enthusiasm for Murray State. I don't think they'd be in the tournament if it weren't for Belmont's uh, starting center being out for the, the OVC final. Um, you know, Belmont won last night, and they're, they're, Belmont's really good. I mean, I think mm-hmm. they not only think they can beat Maryland, I think they can be in the Sweet 16. Uh, they can lose, too. But, but um, you know, I think, I think uh, Murray State's very good, but they're not, they're not quite what Davidson was with Curry um, because of the teammates that, uh, that, that Curry had. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I mentioned before that Buffalo is, is really good. They, mm-hmm. They're 31-3, and three, if I remember right. And they've got they beat Arizona last year. They're legit. They've got a bunch of older players that have been there before, and they're not afraid of anything. Uh, so I, it, there's a team in the Midwest that is a is a 12 seed, uh, New Mexico State. Um, you know they've got they've got good play like Terrell Brown's a good player. They've got good players, but they play 13 guys 10 minutes or more, and they really rebound. They're relentless. They've won 30 games, which is a little bit unusual for, for a team out of the whack. Um, they can win. Uh, they can beat Auburn. They're good enough. Um, now, can they make a Final Four? I think a lot has to happen for, for a, a double-digit seed to make a Final Four. Somebody has to fall down in your path. Uh, or It has to be a thing like VCU where you know, people kind of forget what happened with VCU uh, in 2011. You know, they got into the tournament without really having beaten anybody on the year. And, uh, and tradition, you know, traditionally you have to, to beat tournament teams to get into the field, and they didn't do that and got in and then wound up in the tournament doing things that they didn't do during the regular season. Like during the regular season, they had made 10 threes once in, in a game, in 30 games, some games. In the tournament, they did it four times. And, uh, and so the, you have to have something like that, which is really unusual. Uh, so I, it, there, there, there are very few teams this year that I have seen, that, and I've seen most of them, that I think that I feel that way about. It would be Belmont, 
um, uh, Buffalo, New Mexico State, I would say. And uh, that's about it. I don't really see anybody else that I'm going, oh, look at guys, you know, UC Irvine can win a game. They can beat Kansas State. Will they get to the Final Four? That's a, that's a taller order, I think. Well, Jay, great minds think alike because I have Belmont as well as um, Buffalo in the Sweet 16, as well as Nevada, too. Yeah. I have them in the that, Sweet 16. That's actually, so. I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you about Nevada because Nevada was a team last year that surprised everybody, uh, got you know far into the tournament. What did they get to the Elite Eight? Yeah. Yeah, to the Elite Eight. No, no, no Sweet, 16. Sweet, 16. Sweet, Sweet 16. I have them in Elite Eight yeah. this year. Sweet yeah. 16. I know they're in a tough – I know you have Michigan coming out of the West and you have Texas Tech there, so it is going to be tough. But I just wonder, you know, they lost a little bit of, of shine during the season. I'm wondering if it was maybe, you know, they had been so far the, the previous year, maybe the regular season they got a little bored. And are they the type of team maybe that they can put it together, uh, you know, come tomorrow? Oh yeah, uh, Nevada's really good. Like their 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 regulars average the average age is twenty three and a half. Right. Like they're older. Um, they're all transfers. Uh, everybody that plays significant minutes is a transfer. Eric Musselman is their coach who coached in the NBA with the Warriors and uh, Sacramento Kings, and uh, and he's done a really nice job there. Um, I, the 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 only reason I I didn't mention Nevada is because of their draw. Uh, they play Florida first. And Florida's coming off having beaten LSU in the uh, in the SEC tournament, and that's one of those games where it feels like it should be flipped. Where it's it's the type of game where Nevada would be better off being the underdog, and Florida, you know, the the big shot they're playing. I think Florida can beat them. Uh, I don't I don't know that they will. I think Nevada's probably more consistent. But then they'd run into Michigan, and Michigan's better, significantly better. Um, and then if they if they win that, like you guys said, they they could come up against tech, either Texas Tech or Buffalo. Um, it'd be kind of fun to see Nevada play Buffalo. That'd be that'd be a, uh, a great game. Although I don't know that how many people would want to watch it. I would. I would. Yeah, their draw was harder. But but they've got you know they got two guys, Caleb and Cody Martin, transferred in from NC State. Jordan Caroline's their probably their best player. Kind of an old school big guy that plays inside and out, six seven, um, double double guy that that came in for Southern Illinois. Uh, then they got a kid that comes off the bench named Jazz Johnson, who's their best shooter. Uh, but they're legit. They're they're, they're very very good. I, I just want to switch as we let you go. Um, uh, Nabate, I don't know if you know, Nabate is a world class jazz musician. He's a trumpeter. Oh, uh, I know Nabate. Kind of oh yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 great. So when he told me that you were also a jazz guy, I said, oh, that's great, because I'm a jazz guy. Uh, and I said, oh, well, I knew this beyond your intellect. I knew there was something I liked about you. Uh, and um, if, you know, if, if, so what were you saying, Nabate, that... Uh, that uh, Paul Jeffrey. Um, yeah, I think Je- that you knew, yeah, you, knew, you knew Paul Jeffries, right? Yeah, Paul Jeffries was a professor of mine. So... When I was in college, I took uh, I took Professor Jeffrey's course. He, he taught uh, he taught jazz, and uh, and I knew I knew just enough to be dangerous um, uh, about jazz, and, and I, I fell in love with it because of him. And and that was one of the things, Bill, that really kind of taught me the you know the the the, the real world difference between perception and reality. That. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, I, look, I took jazz in, in one measure because I had heard that, hey, this is a good course, you'll like it, and it's not that taxing. Um, so, you know, when people hear that, they would hear, well, you know, he's taking it, he's taking it because it's easy and, uh, and it's just a crip course and all that stuff. And so I went through that class, and, and Paul was so great 
that I wound up leaving that class with a, 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 an amazing appreciation um, uh, for, for, for jazz. And, uh, and I would not have known anything, you know, I would have known a little bit about it but without it, but I would have known nothing like I know now. And it opened up a whole new world for me in, in my appreciation of music, not only jazz, but beyond that. And it's sort of the idea that if you're exposed to something, whether, whether it's, you know, not every class you have to have to take is biomedical engineering or splitting the atom with a butter knife 101. <laughs> You know, you can take some things that are culturally uh, uh, expanding, and even though I wasn't staying up late at night studying jazz, I learned a ton in that class, and to this day, it is one of the five most impactful courses I took in college. Oh, you took that when you were, uh, when you were on team? Yeah, yeah, I took it at Duke, yeah, and, and, uh, and I was one of a, of a bunch of, of athletes that took that. And you know, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that every one of them, uh, you know, came away with the same thing I did. I don't. I have no idea. But I know if I know if I took something away from that, because I was just as likely to, to to fall asleep in a class as any any other human being. And uh, and I I loved that course. And then as a result, loved Paul Jeffries. Um, he was a he passed away recently, but he he was a not only a, a giant in the music industry. Um, he was one of the most kind-hearted people and uh, and and most fun to be around. Uh, he's just a wonderful man. Yes, great and great friends with John well, Coltrane. Great friends with him. Yeah. Well, Jay, uh, thank you so much for taking the time out to join us. I know this is obviously a busy time of the year for you, to say the least. Uh, so no, we, thank you guys. It was my pleasure. Oh, thank we you, re- sir. Really appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to watching you on ESPN and having you speak truth to power, as always. Uh, so we appreciate well, that. Very kind of you. And All keep, the best. And keep building your brand, too. Those commercials you're doing are great. Keep building your brand. Absolutely. And also hey, quoting Jeezy, of course, you, you know. <laughs> hey, hey, Jay, before you go, I just heard, I'm down in Florida at spring training. And so when Mike Trout, when Mike Trout signed his unbelievable contract, somebody said, uh, it was $300 million. Man, that could have gotten, we did the calculations, that could have gotten 15 kids. He could have bought of passage to 15 kids into Yale. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> okay. That's fantastic. Hey, Jay, thanks so much, man. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks very much. All right. Thanks again to uh, Jay Billis joining us. That was fun. We talked about a lot uh, on the court and off the court. Um, and now we're about to get up out of here, but of course... Our producer, Aaron Mathewson, is in the house. Hi, guys. How are you? Hello. Hey. How are you? Good, good, hey. good. Hey. I, so I, guess, I guess, Aaron, so what's up? This week? I guess you're going to put New Mexico State is going to be your Final Four, your pick to not only reach the Final Four, but uh, win the national championship? Mm. Absolutely not. Um, I mean, I lo- I'm from New Mexico. I love New Mexico, but I don't think they've ever made it. To a finals ever? Is there any, what's to do in New Mexico? Anything fun? Hiking, mm-hmm. art, mm. um, mysticism. Yes, um, <laughs> running. This is you know if you want to train, you're a distance runner or um, cyclist. It's a good place to train. Okay. Um, but I also, I okay. So who do I think is gonna win? Yeah, who's your final four? Who's your final four? Do, do you need the Do you need the bracket, or are you just I, nice like that? You know? um, I'm nice like that. Yeah, I probably do need the bracket. Um, <laughs> Those are my teams, and here's a clean bracket for you. And, so. and real quick, we got to give a shout-out to George Willis. He's a New Mexico State graduate. 
actually. No. So George Willis, yes, right. indeed, of the post. I don't, I, I, don't think, I don't think Aaron knows, uh, knows George. Oh, I don't know George. Oh, yeah. You, oh, definitely. Yeah, well, we got to get him on. We'll get him on, definitely, for sure. To so. be fair, I mean, I love, New Me- I love New Mexico, but I am more of a UNM, University of New Mexico fan. Than oh, the Lobos. Oh. Yes, Lobos. But, you don't like you know, state? <laughs> I mean, state You're not feeling okay. state? Okay. They, they bring... Like it's like a state school. She's, she's it's like a, it's bougie. Like a public uh, <laughs> bougie. No, it's just, it's just further, you know. <laughs> but guys, I also wanted to bring your attention. March is not just March Madness. It is Women's History Month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you guys, uh, I don't know if we really talked about it, but um, the U.S. women's soccer team actually, sued, the women's national soccer team sued U.S. soccer for gender discrimination Saw that. recently. Saw that. Um, saying that, yeah, yeah. there's been gender discrimination. Um by paying them less uh, than the than members of the men's team, which is funny because they are way more successful than yeah. the men's team. Like, much so more. Much they, more. They win champions. They win gold they act, medals. They actually they actually play in the World Cup, <laughs> right? You know? <laughs> you know, and like, win sometimes. Like, and, and win. Right. And pretty much the greatest game I ever seen was that '99 final against China. When Brandy Chastain, oh like when she had that that winning shot, that was the most exciting game. I mean, that really was riveting. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah, so. and and they yeah. they they are U.S. soccer. You know, the women are yeah, they basically. they are yeah. U.S. soccer. Yeah. Really. So it's that is that was amazing, really that that uh, that they would be underfunded. Yeah, no, I just I'm just gonna keep my eyes on the suit and see what happens. Um, I I feel I feel like people always find a way to pay women less, so I don't know that they're gonna win. But I I support them. I'm glad they did this. I know you're trying to dodge the question, Aaron, but uh, who's in your final who's four? In my final four. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go Duke. Okay. Kentucky. Okay. Um, I want to do somebody crazy. Virginia. That's UVA. not crazy. Um, that's not crazy. Okay. Got to get crazy now. We got one more. Marquette. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy okay. enough. Okay. So, I, w- I would love to say uh, HBCUs, but I feel like no. it's, it's okay. just uh, in North Carolina Central and Prairie View, right? Yeah, and they were both, we didn't talk about this, but they are both 16 Prairie seeds. Prairie View lost. Oh, Prairie View The lowest possible they seeds. On, on, so, they were one of the four lowest, they were one of the four lowest ranked teams in the country that made the tournament. So. Prairie View, I'm glad. That's, that's where mm. my, a lot of my family went to Prairie View. So okay. Like, I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Good stuff. You should have told me that last night. I've been rooting, rooting a little harder. <laughs> also, <laughs> also, Aaron is a Aaron is a is a is a bodybuilder. Oh, she's a fitness guru. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, people don't really know that. Uh oh. In addition to being the a writer and coordinator and producer, Renaissance. Uh, she's also Renaissance. really into fitness. Yeah, she's a Renaissance woman. So she's into fitness. In fact, I called her yesterday. And she answered the phone. She said, I got to go because I'm taking a boxing class. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I do that, too. I, I got to get some tips from you, Erin, yeah. for sure. Oh, I gotta get I'm some starting. Tips I'm not. Yeah. But wait, but Bill, I, I feel like I have to, I'm more, probably more fitness distance running than bodybuilding at the moment to be, like, because real bodybuilders would come at me and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> but I have been interested in the past. Okay. okay. All right. Oh, well, okay. all, right. all right. And and, and who do you have winning before, before we get out winning? of here? Yeah, who's winning the whole thing? You had you had Duke, Kentucky, Virginia, and Marquette. Who, who's winning? 
I love upsets and underdogs, so I'm gonna go Marquette. Wow, oh. well, that would be Marcus Howard. Shocking. Marcus Howard would be a hero. Yes. Oh my <laughs> right goodness, now. I would like, love that. I love Butch Lee. Butch Lee in '77 when Marquette won, led by Al McGuire. So yeah, oh, so so they got they got yeah. history. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm hoping we'll talk about the women's tournament next week. All right. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, definitely. When when you come in and remind us, we'll talk about. Quick that. question: What did you think of UConn not being a number one seed? <laughs> so excited. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Your, oh, I don't. I have. I have to look at the teams. But who's but, your team that you like? Who do I like? Who does Don Staley coach? Oh, it's South Carolina. Yes, yes. Yeah, South Carolina like. easy. <laughs> I, mainly because I like her. But uh, yeah, I'm just saying. You know, it's great. UConn is awesome, but it's time for new, new winners. New blood. No yes. doubt. No this doubt. can motivate them, though. Yes, mm-hmm. that's true. <laughs> well, on that note, we're we're about to get out of here. Uh, another great show, guys. Appreciate yes, it. Every, you know. Talking uh, March job, Madness, my favorite time of year. Yes. Um, we'll be back next week. But once again, definitely uh, like the show on iTunes. Uh, leave a comment. These things help. You know, tell, tell us what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, uh, what guests you love and all that good stuff, how you, how you love all the hosts. We, we'd love to hear that. Um, follow us on Twitter at BrosPod, at, on uh, Instagram at BrosPod. Facebook, Bill Roden on sports. Check, uh, follow me at Black Atologist, Nabate. At Nabate Isles, SMTA on Twitter and NSI.Universal. By his album? IG, yes. Eclectic <laughs> Excursions, yes. And check out my performance. I, yes. I put it up on yes. uh, social media, my performance, uh, Big East Tournament oh, playing that's God Bless say. America. Yeah, yep. great performance at the Big East Tournament uh, in between the semifinal games. That was great. Um, oh, yeah. ple- yes. Pleasure being there. Yeah. It was an honor. Wow. It was great yeah. stuff. Thank you, thank and, you. And Aaron, you're on you're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Aaron on Air. At Aaron on Air. That's E R Y N O N A I R. All right, and Bill, of course, at WC Roden. Uh, so check us all out, and we will see you next week. Peace. Bye. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.